our liberation should not be opposed. Our ancestors gave America 244 years of free labor, all while promised 40 acres and a mule, and that promise was unfulfilled. They were beaten, raped, and lynched for two and a half centuries. They single-handedly built a thriving nation and never got to see the fruits of their labor. The American promise, the American dream, is that if you work hard, you can be anything you aspire. Was that not hard work? Our liberation has been a fight, a fight that has gone too long. From killing our masters in Southampton County, Virginia, 1831, to storming the Capitol with a dream. Our liberation is not a terrorist attack. It is a revolution, it's accountability, and it's Dr. King's dream. I have a dream. I dream of so many black boys and girls running in and out the White House, they think Big Mama having a cookout. Why is our liberation characterized as a terrorist movement? Am I a terrorist because I want what I'm owed? Am I a terrorist because my skin doesn't look like yours? Am I a terrorist because I make you feel uncomfortable? Make no mistake, our people didn't come here on the Mayflower. They came on slave ships. We didn't ask to be brought here, you brought us here. You killed us while we were praying, while walking home from the store, while getting in the car with our kids, and while screaming, I can't breathe. It sounds like we are being terrorized, not the terrorists. This is our year of the ballot or the bullet. Malcolm X said, Anytime you live in the 20th century, 1964, and you walking around here singing, we shall overcome, the government has failed. Our voices should be heard and will be heard by running to the polls in unforeseen numbers. We have to stand for justice, stand for equality, and most of all, stand together because black lives matter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Pretty Normal Podcast. I am your host, Xavier Diaz, and we have an amazing new interview for you this week. Tomorrow, November 3rd, is officially the election here in the United States. I can't believe four years have come and gone already. No matter what happens, it's truly amazing to see the amount of voter enthusiasm this time around. Early voting records have already been surpassed, and whatever happens, please, I hope to see people continue to participate this much in our election processes all the times, any election, doesn't matter. Yes, they're saying that this is the most important election, but every election is important, so I hope to continue to see this much enthusiasm and participation. This week, I had the opportunity to speak with Tristan Jackson, a U.S. Army veteran, entrepreneur, and the founder of a nonprofit which aimed at helping the homeless. Tristan grew up in the Deep South, however, his political views are very interesting and very different considering the conservative nature of the state that he lives in. It was a pleasure to speak with Tristan, and the speech that you heard at the beginning was an amazing speech that he wrote, and his words inspired me so much that I had to create a powerful video detailing the struggles of the black community. So please, go check that out on YouTube or Instagram at a pretty normal, and let me know what you think. If you'd like to connect with Tristan or give him feedback on the speech that you heard, check out the show notes for all the links to his social media accounts. Also, make sure to subscribe to A Pretty Normal Podcast so you get notified every time a new episode drops. This show can be found on Spotify, Google, Apple, and all other podcast streaming platforms. Subscribe and please leave us a review if you enjoy the content. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at A Pretty Normal. Also, make sure to subscribe on YouTube. I recently started putting out way more video content, so there's definitely a lot that you're going to miss if you don't subscribe on YouTube. Without further ado, my name is Xavier Diaz, and you are now listening to A Pretty Normal Podcast. Yo. 
You're listening to a Pretty Normal Podcast, a show that highlights the fascinating stories and thought-provoking moments that make up our lives. My name's Xavier Diaz, and I want to hear your story. Here with Tristan Jackson. You are a U.S. Army veteran and an entrepreneur. I am very excited to have you on here. How's it going? I think you you might be, uh, I don't know if we're on the same time. It's like seven something right now. Nah, I'm in Central. It's an hour behind y'all. Okay. All right. So it's six o'clock there. How, how's it going? How's everything been? Man, it's been going good, man. How about you? Everything's good. No complaints. Uh, I'm just grateful. Uh, I, I read articles all the time about people and how they're going through it right now with unemployment, all these articles about food lines at food banks, like just wrapping around blocks because people can't afford groceries and stuff. And like, I'm just grateful, definitely grateful. Yeah, man, it's, it's heartbreaking because, you know, you think that being the most powerful nation in the world, the most, you know, uh, technological uh, for nation in the world we would be way better off than what we are now Hell but, yeah. uh, uh, with the current leadership we just failing 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 at every fucking thing you know what I mean failing and it's almost, it's like it's embarrassing that all they could do was send us a stimulus check and do some uh, paycheck protection program back in April that was yeah. months ago they couldn't do anything else after that like, what about the people now? You know, you got people in cities like Houston going out on the street, living out on the street. I see that all the time on the news. And I'm like, nobody could be like, wait, you know, wait till all this stuff is over and we'll go back to normal. You know what I mean? But wait till it's all over. The people have no value in, in the White House. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's tough. And I, I was looking through your social media and I see you're definitely uh, <laughs> Trump, very vocal against the current leadership. What is it exactly about Trump that that like you dislike the most? I, I think that the people who are like you and I, the only thing we have to depend on are the words in the Constitution. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once somebody starts shitting on the Constitution, it, it's over with for us, you know, because that's the only thing we got that brown people, black people that we have to hold them accountable is the words they wrote in those in the Constitution. Mm. But so I feel like so many of his supporters would say the same thing. Like they're the ones saying, oh, we care about the Constitution. They don't. They don't. <laughs> you know, they, they care about uh, they believe this is supposed to be a white nation, you know. And it is majority white, but they don't realize that they make up 60% of the population, you know. I believe if they they realize that, they would shut up, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's they just ever-changing. It's, it's like America is supposed to be the land of opportunity for immigration to come, come here, start a new life and everything. And I think a lot of people, like, I don't want to say all Trump supporters. I hate generalizing and I hate putting them all in one thing. I think there are definitely some rational Trump supporters who, like, I've seen uh, statistics. There was people that voted tw- two times for Obama, voted for him in 2008 and 2012, and then decided to switch their vote in 2016. So there's something there. It's something there. And so I don't want to put them all together. Well, I honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. I believe that, you know, 
a lot of people see women as unstable, that they can't sing, they can't, you know, they can't perform. But I've seen some great women, you know what I mean? Of course. Was Hillary Clinton going to go on and be a great president? No, she probably was just going to get one term, as Trump's going to do, you know? But I believe people was honestly scared to vote for a woman for president, so they would rather vote for Trump. That's what I believe, you know? Do you think so? I think there was something uniquely unpopular about her. Like, I feel like what is good about Joe Biden is he doesn't have that negative image around him. Like, yeah, he's just like the guy scary. people like him. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton, like whether it was true or not, she had all those scandals that followed her her whole mm-hmm. life. And there was just something like uniquely unpopular about her that even some Democrats were like, I don't like her. But yeah, now Joe it, Biden comes in and is kind of like, oh, it's Uncle Joe. It was a. Uh, she rubbed me the wrong way many times, mm-hmm. but I thought she was going to win. I really did. And, and she kind of did. She won a popular vote, you know, by like three million votes or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, what rubbed me the wrong way about her was the whole hot sauce in the bag thing. I was like, <laughs> going too far. You're going too far. You know what I mean? She's just like, pandering to get the black vote, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I ain't with all that pandering. Uh, you got Hove up there supporting her, which Hove is the GOAT. Make no mistake. And once you get hold, you know, behind you, I, I thought she was going to win for sure. But uh, the hot sauce in the bag thing was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Democrats definitely have like the support of like Hollywood and of the music mm-hmm. industry a lot more. And it didn't work because last time there was a lot of celebrities behind Hillary and it just didn't work. But mm-hmm. so you don't like that pandering and all that stuff, which I agree with. Do, does it rub you the wrong way when Joe Biden says things like, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black? <sighs> It did, but I, I understood what he was saying. I understood what he was saying, especially after Trump said, you know, stand back and stand by. I was like, well, God damn it, am I black if I vote for him? <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, <laughs> Joe Biden did say that before the stand back, like, yeah. that white supremacist shit. Uh-huh. And even like I, on, on, on another later event, he went up and it was like, in florida talking to like hispanic voters and he came up playing despacito on his cell phone just kind of nodding like an old man and it's like bro you ain't got to do all that you ain't got to do that just (laughs) tell us what you're gonna get you're gonna fix the cages you're gonna fix this you're gonna fix that and let's rock you know what i mean Uh uh-huh but i think people want to be relatable and show that i'm relatable to you but Really, we just want to hear, you know, how you going to fix our life. You know, tell me how you going to don't play Despacito. We don't care whether you know it or not. Tell me how you going to fix my life. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Like it doesn't do you any good to go up there. I know you're not playing Despacito on your like alone time. You play right now in front of a crowd. When you get off, you're playing some like classical music. And that's yeah. Cool. That's yeah, fine. I'm fine with that. Actually, you know, we can respect that more. Uh. So what about Joe Biden do you look forward to? Like. At this point, and I wish, I honestly say this all the time, I say this every single week, I wish they just held the election today, like right now, like who the hell is still undecided after four years? Like, it don't make any sense to me. Just hold the election yeah. today. Trump's people are going to come out for him. And then uh, Biden people will come out for him. And then whoever like is still in the middle, I feel like at this point, you got to know. You got to Like you're going for and what is is left? There's a week left in the election, right? In the campaign season. Like, what uh-huh. can possibly be done at this point to change anybody's mind? I really don't know. Only thing that can be done is Trump stumble over his own feet like he's been, he's been doing the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was worried about Joe Biden stumbling, you know, and tripping over himself. But really, 
Joe's been he been on track the whole time. You know, he got his eye on the prize. Like, it's finally my turn. You know, I ran eight times or four times, however many times you ran president. It's finally my turn, you know. Fine. And uh, as long as he it's, I don't think it's nothing they can say, you know. I don't think so. But Trump is trying with this whole, you know, we got this computer from wherever, you know, he's yeah. trying, but I don't think he's that's trying. Nah, it's not doing a single thing. And I even saw an article today, like Ted Cruz, who's a Republican, is like, this is not moving a single voter. Like, because, yo, in the midst of unemployment being the way it is, the coronavirus being the way it is, who is really sitting here like, oh, Hunter Biden did what? Hunter Biden tried to, like, get some extra money because his last name is Biden. Like, sure, that probably did happen. I, I wouldn't doubt it. Like, who doesn't use their family to like even normal people? You use your family. Yeah. Yo, you can you get hook me up to in this company? You I swear I go to my grandma's job. Hey, can I use your discount? Like <laughs> all the time. And it's like typical stuff that happens in Washington. And like the Trumps are the last people to call out corruption. Like the last <laughs> people. They all in there. They all in the White House, like all working. Yeah. Like most. Uh, past presidents have given up the rights to their business, released their tax returns, and all. This man has done none of that. None you of know, that. none of that. He's still profiting off his business. He talked about he been under audit for four years. If the IRS got you under audit for four years, you probably done something illegal. <laughs> <laughs> That's straight up. It's like, and I see both sides, like politicians, they get away with so much shit that like, if we were under audit for four years, we would be waiting in, in like prison or in jail yeah. somewhere until that four year audit was done. Like no bail, no nothing. <laughs> it's crazy. I did see you. So you're an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. uh, you owned a nonprofit organization. What was uh, that nonprofit? Uh, the nonprofit was called uh, Future Tomorrow. We helped out the homeless in uh, El Paso, Texas. Uh, it was a it was a collective of uh, soldiers. We was all active duty soldiers and. Uh, I came up with the idea. I brought it to one of my good friends. We were getting ready to go to NTC, which is the National Training Center out in California. And I was like, man, when we come back, we need to do something for the people, you know. And he was all for it. And then I talked to him about it. We made plans. And then it kind of like took off once everybody heard what we were doing. Mm. The first event was uh, we, we held a, a basketball tournament. That's what it was. It was a basketball tournament. We had a zigzag come out from uh, Court Kings. He played in it. And uh, we raised, I forgot how much money we raised, but we had enough to, you know, buy a homeless shelter, Thanksgiving meals, and we sat them all down and, you know, fed them. And it was, it was a great day, man. It was marvelous. Hey, that's amazing. And that's beautiful that like, so you came back from like serving the country, you were in the, uh -huh. in the US Army. And then you decided to help the like one of the most vulnerable populations, the homeless, mm -hmm. like that's people that straight up need as much help as possible. And that's really mm -hmm. great. Is that nonprofit still running today? Uh, we what happened, you know, everybody on active duty, everybody got separated. So I lost all the, you know, support. Everybody went everywhere, Italy, Romania, Germany. And then I just kind of had to shut it down, you know, but we are, I have a good friend. His name is Jose Davila. He is from the Bronx, I believe. Um, and I think he's moving back soon. I talked to him the other day and we're going to try to start it up in New York. I believe that uh, it would be great. Yeah. It would be super helpful here. It would be really, really helpful because like even in my neighborhood, so I've only been living in this apartment now for like a year, about a, a year and a couple months. And when I first moved here, like this was 2019 before Corona and anything, 
I didn't see as much homelessness just in the the section I'm in. Like you would see it more when you would go to like the the areas that had more like foot traffic, like where there are more people because they would be mm-hmm. there and they would be asking for whatever. But now even in like the more quiet residential areas, like it, I, it locks down. Yeah, I see homeless people and like is really, really shitty because it's cold. Like being homeless in New York is like the winter comes and I don't know how they do it. It sucks. Well, the 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 wealth gap is, you know, ever expanding. Like, you know, it's something that we can't get control of. But it's because, uh, you know, you got rich people running the country who don't know about poor people problems. If you've never been poor before, how can you understand what it's like to be poor? You know what I mean? Mm. So how, how can I rely on you to create policies for me to get from up under this rock when all you've done over history is made sure that I'm under this rock? You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, I, I think like the average salary or, or like wealth in in Congress, some shit is like a million dollars. It's like what mm-hmm. you're all so rich, all of them. So how can you understand what it's like to try to live off thirty thousand dollars a year when you got a million dollars? It's almost it's almost impossible to live in America off thirty thousand dollars. It's almost it, depending on where you are. Yeah, it's damn yeah. impossible, and that's why mm-hmm. like. So New York City passed $15 minimum wage. Uh, I believe in 2018 we passed it. Mm-hmm. And I remember everybody being like, oh, businesses are going to close. Like, all this is going to shut people down. It didn't really do that. What shut things down was Corona. Like, that was impossible to avoid. That was inevitable. Nobody saw it coming. Uh, but that $15 minimum wage, even $15 in New York City was not that much. But it was a huge step up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. If you look at it over time, I mean, we could go all the way back to 1864, uh, back in history, when they had indentured servants. Everybody who was here, you know, worked to to gain their freedom. And at the end of their contract, um, they uh, got land, 25 acres, food, clothing, and weaponry, right? So when they found out, hey, I over here and save money, they then, the black indentured servant who was in Massachusetts or something like that, uh, he became a slave and the white ones just, you know, got kicked off to the side of the road, kind of how they do on the day. Oh, GM clothes will kick you off the side of the road. And then they made all them, they made black people slaves. If I could pay $1,200 and get a slave and then, uh, you know, have this slave create more slaves, um, I'm saving money. Everything over history has been about money, you know, and keeping people poor, right? If I can increase my profits, I'll care about your life, you know? Yeah, straight up. And it's almost like even now in today's age, you see all these companies saying like, well, I could set up a factory or like a, a something here, or mm-hmm. I could set it up in Vietnam, in Thailand, Indonesia, and pay them like $2 an hour as opposed yeah. to having to pay them like even $8 an hour here. Yeah. Or I could go to Mexico and pay them like $1.50 or some shit. And then they have everybody thinking that immigration is the problem. Immigration is not the problem. You are the problem. You don't want to pay the people because you want to keep lining your pockets. You have to pay the people or it's going to be all out craziness you know what i mean straight up yeah and there's in in that respect these huge ceos like they don't have any like patriotism it's not like oh i'm gonna you know make it for america for americans here in america no it's about that dollars it's about about the dollar how many more can they get how how much and people don't understand this like uh I, i see people talking about the oil thing right so 
we had a steam powertrain, we had a coal powertrain, then we had, you know, oil come along and we started creating natural gas and fracking and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Something has to come after that so this country can boom, right? Yeah. It has to be going green, but these people down here who's been stuck on oil forever is like, oh, I can't lose my job. You already losing because they taking these jobs other places. We buying oil from other places. So you already losing. It has to be something that come along so this country can boom again. Or or else, guess what? We're going to be out on the streets because automation is coming. They already talking about, uh, you know, trucks being able to drive themselves 10 mm-hmm. years from now. That's like the heartbeat of America, truck drivers. Yeah. So, once that's gone, what? That's it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 really true. So between automation and then outsourcing jobs to like uh, third world countries where they could pay them even less is a mm-hmm. huge problem. And what I hate is that there is tremendous class solidarity amongst the rich. Like the rich stick together. That's why you see 50 Cent and 50 Cent was like, yo, I'm not paying those taxes. Like vote Trump. Uh-uh. Because he was like, I'm yeah. sticking together with my class of people. I'm yeah. rich. I may get rich or die trying. I didn't die trying. I got rich. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but the class solidarity amongst like the middle class is so fractured where like you'll see people that are middle class fighting for like five billion yeah it's like bro you don't make any of the four hundred thousand dollars why are you arguing so hard against biden's tax plan listen when they when people come to me i get asked this question all the time and they say what do you think about biden's tax plan i like do you make four hundred thousand dollars no i make how sixty thousand why, why did I give a damn? Why you give a damn then? Okay, let them. They, they worry about that shit on their time. I don't make four hundred thousand. I make like fifty some thousand a year. I don't give a damn. Yeah, and, and then to defend to defend a billionaire that don't care about you, that doesn't yeah. like even like would never in his right mind defend you. And but there are people out there that really really stick their neck out, and you'll see them fighting on social media like in arguing on their behalf. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like the class solidarity amongst the middle class needs to be stronger like look these things all like when we benefit we all benefit like a rising tide lifts all the ships Mm -hmm. and the middle class is the heartbeat of america right we spend the money we have the kids you know what i mean if you have kids you have costs like crazy amount of costs because you have to buy food you daycare gas and go to work and all you know what i mean Mm mm-hmm so yeah. you're spending the money that lifts the economy. So you should be holding the government accountable to lift you because you keep this going. You know what I mean? Straight up. A middle class family, like if somebody gets a, a pay raise or a promotion or something, that money, okay, let's buy nicer, like a little bit nicer uh, food. Let's the money. Put, let's put a little bit more money here. A rich person makes more money. All right, let's put it in stocks. That yeah, money's not going back into the economy. Not. And people now. don't understand that. People don't understand that. I don't know how people can get behind Trump when they see him pay $750 in taxes. I paid $750 last month. (laughs) (laughs) Straight up. We can never get away with that stuff. You You know what I'm saying? You told me you live in uh, Alabama. Is it? It's it's a very conservative state, right? Listen, man. Listen, what's what's below conservative? Like, they so far right. (laughs) It's it's ridiculous. Like, they... They loyal, though. They they very loyal. If it's Republican, they vote for it. Um, and I don't understand why, because this is like one of the poorest states, maybe I think second or third poorest states in America. Yeah, behind Kentucky. Uh, the average, the median income is like 23000 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Why am I supporting 
a billionaire. Well, supposedly a billionaire. We don't really know if he's a billionaire because we never seen his taxes. Mm-hmm. So, um, so if the median income is twenty three thousand dollars, how can you get behind that and say, "Hey, I'm supporting this ride or die"? You know, I don't care. They have no concern about bettering their lives. You know, and, and that's very concerning. Uh, do you think that it's because like they put more priority on social issues so they'll get behind Trump if he says like you know we're not going to do abortion like we're going to get rid of abortion and and he has more conservative values when it comes to social issues you know you know what I think it is uh, it could be abortion a little bit I say a little bit of it is abortion mm-hmm. but I think a lot of it is saying like oh people come in here taking jobs and stuff like that because if you pour already and you don't have a job you need somebody to blame you know it ain't it's hard for a person to say look in the mirror and be like look i fucked this up you know i need to go out here and do better for myself it's easier for me to point the finger way over there in mexico i live way in alabama i'm pretty sure they are not affecting you know me getting a job you know i could see if you lived on the border in texas or something maybe you have an argue Mm. uh, argument but uh you live way in Alabama. Ain't no Mexicans crossing the border coming way to Alabama. What are you coming to Alabama for? What? <laughs> <laughs> so, do you when you ride around like your neighborhood and your your uh, where you live, is there just a lot of Trump, Pence, Make America Great signs yes. everywhere? Everywhere they fly them loud and proud. You know, on the back of trucks, rebel flags. It, oh man! So yeah. when when you talk to people, is it hard to like have conversations knowing that like you are, uh, it seems like, have you always been Democrat or is this a- I, Well, this is what I believe. This is what I believe right here. I, I believe black people cannot uh, support a party. We have to support ideas and policy, right? Mm. I don't care what side it's coming from, you know, Trump's uh, platinum plan is a beautiful plan. Mm. Biden's plan is a great plan. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But we have to look in the mirror and say, hey, who can really execute this? We've seen over the years, um, you know, Trump didn't even do his supporters saying the wall, health care, none of that stuff. So what make me believe over there, you know, he going to execute the plan to where I'm successful. I don't believe so. So I've never been a Democrat. I've never been Republican. I believe that black people and brown people should support ideas and policies no matter who they come from. Mm, that's amazing and i agree with that completely i just did a video uh defending ice cube because i didn't think ice cube did anything wrong by sitting down with the trump campaign he outright said look both campaigns came to me the trump campaign said i like what you did with this contract for black america can we adapt this into our platinum plan the biden campaign was like we like this can we talk again after the election so mm-hmm. Ice Cube is like, I'm going to work with the people that want to work right now. Like, yeah. And if you truly care about your community, you would try and fix problems as soon as possible. You're not about to be mm-hmm. like, oh, Trump won. I'm waiting four years until he's out to fix my community. No, because yeah. your community needs help right now. Right now, today. And I didn't understand why people got mad at that. But that's that's only for small minded people. Right. If me and you got a beef. And but me and you can make millions. I'm willing to sit down at the table with you. If me and you got to be, and we can fix a problem that'll help the people, I'm willing to sit down with you. One of the well-known people that be on CNN every day and worked in the Obama administration helped Trump get the first step back past mm. Van Jones, you know. Mm. And Van Jones got he he got a lot of heat behind that. But what his success was he got a lot of people out of jail. You know what I mean? So. Why not sit down with them if they got if they got the power right now and they willing to sit down with you? Why not? Of course. And 
I hate one thing that I hate when people say is like, well, why would you give them a platform? Why would you legitimize them? And like Ice Cube said this best. I'm not giving him any platform. He's the president. He, he has got a platform. He can like he's <laughs> the president. What the hell you mean? Yeah. Like he's giving me a platform to, to pitch him my ideas. Why would I not yeah. take that? And I also like that you at least give credit. What I truly believe is like the goal should always be let's switch Trump supporters back over to this side. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Let's switch them back over. Some people I think are too far gone. You see them and they're like, they're going to defend to the death. They don't even care what you say yeah. and they'll defend to death. But there are people out there who voted twice for Obama and then voted for Trump. We got to switch them back over. And the only way I think I believe- you can do that, my bad. So the only way I think you could do that is by being fair and coming mm-hmm. off unbiased. Because if you give Trump zero credit, no matter, even if he does, if he cures cancer and you're still like, nah, fuck Trump. People are going to look at you like, yo, you're biased. Like, I'm not going to take anything mm-hmm. to say serious. But if you are like, okay, you know, Trump did this for HBCUs. Trump did this with the mm-hmm. First Step Act. But he did this, and I think this far outweighs all that. Then people mm-hmm. are like, all right, you're rational. You know, that HBCU thing, I mean, it carries more weight than what it actually was. Because HBCUs been getting money, you know. Obama, the Obama administration was giving grants and everything you know, to HBCU. So this ain't the first time that we've seen this. It's just the first time that it's been in the news because the president wants to say, I've done more for blacks than, you know, Abraham Lincoln. When that is <laughs> that is the first thing for true. The only person that probably could uh, say that is Lyndon B. Johnson. I Lyndon mean, he signed the, the, Civil Rack, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which, you know, Martin Luther King, they was marching for it. They got beat out in the streets and dogs and water holes. Yeah. All because they wanted to make that happen. And everybody know about Lenny B. Johnson. He was a big fat old racist. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you know, uh Kennedy had got killed. And uh if I'm not mistaken, he was the vice president. So when Kennedy got killed, he took over. And Kennedy, you know, uh was progressive, very progressive. And I believe ultimately that's why he got killed. It wasn't because of nothing else. You know, if you too progressive and you just like including everybody and not excluding anybody, you probably gonna get killed, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do wanna, so I looked this up earlier because like I said, I, I think I believe giving credit where it's due is super important and I I will list to people millions of reasons why I oppose Trump. However, for the HBCU thing. So I found these couple quotes that I want to read. It says, uh, during the last three fiscal years, federal programs that the United Negro College Fund deems most important to HBCUs have seen a collective increase of more than 200 million in funding. That's according to uh, the UN, that's according to the United Negro College Fund senior vice president. And then mm-hmm. some HBCU, HBCU leaders, for example, point to the March 2018 move by Secretary Betsy DeVos, who I have lots of problems with, but she actually canceled the repayment of more than $300 million in loans that HBCUs took out. Like she just wiped out that 300 million. That's good. I got lots of problems with Betsy DeVos, but when you see things like that, how am I going to sit here and be like, nah, fuck that. Like, no, that was yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, no. And That's great. I think the problem with the HBCUs, like Trump mentioned this, but he's such a bad communicator that he Mm -hmm. can't really communicate it. Every year, the funding would like, they would have to, like what they do with a lot of things, like, okay, the year is up. Now we got to pass it again through Congress. And you know Mm -hmm. how Congress is. One year, they might just like not do it. And so he, I think, did it more permanent. I think it's like a 10 year Mm -hmm. thing now. Mm, That's good. The thing is, like you said, he's a bad communicator. When he says... I've done more for black people than 
Abraham, I'm turned off. I'm like, dude. You're, you're uh, foolish. Yeah. Yeah. Sounded we can get somebody else to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> turned off by it. So, yeah. He really is like just, he's entertaining. I'll watch it and I'll be like, man, this dude is just so entertaining, but like, I hate him. And he, I wouldn't have a problem with him. I would even think he would be funny if he wasn't the president. Like, I just want him to be the leader of the country. Like, if he was just, like, an old man on Twitter saying the shit he said, (laughs) I think a lot more people would be like, all right, this is just... He once was. He once was in 2015. He was. (laughs) (laughs) Writing wild shit on Twitter. (laughs) And then he became the president, and it was just like, yo, even, like, his before coronavirus, he released his budget plan and he was just going to make all these huge cuts to education. There's mm-hmm. like a public service loan forgiveness. Uh, so let's say you take out college loans. If you mm-hmm. decide I'm going to be a nurse or a firefighter or a police officer, or I'm going to work for a nonprofit organization after 10 years, they wipe out your, your loans. That's like an incentive. Mm-hmm. Like we need more people to be nurses, firefighters, yeah. uh, all these like workers that typically make a little bit less than like, if you did like in, uh, a CE, like a, a company job, mm-hmm. but he wants to get rid of that, that program. And it's like, yo, that helps so many people, like so many people. Well, you know, America got this, a big old problem with education, you know, mm-hmm. I, but I believe the problem stems from fearing that if people get education or be more educated, they'll become more powerful, which you see that now because everybody's watching the current, you know, clim- political climate. Whereas if you look back, before Obama was president, nobody knew what the fuck was going on in, in politics, you know, except for old people. You know, you had to go ask your great-grandmama, what's going on with the president, you know what I mean? Whereas now, you can go and ask a 16-year-old, hey, what's going on in politics? And they can spit it out just like that, you know? Mm, that's very true, which is a good thing. More people involved yeah. is what we need. And that's mm-hmm. what... I kind of worry about that. Like, let's say Joe Biden wins. Everybody's going to go back to brunch mode, back to like, you know, autopilot, just like, all right, things are good now. But it's like, nah, like there are problems that still exist that are going to yeah. exist there after Trump. If you think that when when Biden becomes president, that people would get shot in the street. I just want to remind people that Trayvon Martin got killed in the streets while Obama was president. Mm-hmm. So the problems are still going to continue. Mm. It's our responsibility to keep our foot on their neck at all times. I don't care if the police drop a penny in the street. You know? Oh, hold on. You muted out there at the last part of your sentence. What would you say? I think you muted again. I still can't hear you. Something happened. I can hear you now. Oh, there we go. Now I can hear you. You said so. If the police drop a penny in the street. And we don't like it. Everybody needs to be out in the streets, you know? Mm, straight up, yeah. And Ferguson was like, what, 2014 with Eric Garner yeah. and everything? Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that happened under the Obama years that were just as bad because those problems do not see Republican, Democrat. Mm-hmm. But we had somebody to, to you know, cut us. You know, like, he got on the screen and said, he got on TV and said, Trayvon Martin could have been me. You know what I mean? And the world felt that. Yeah, yeah, could have been my son. And the world felt that, you know. We had a black attorney general when that happened. So, Mm. you know, and nothing really changed. Nothing really changed. They got the body cams out of that. Mm. Mm. And then, so did it surprise you when we saw uh, the Kentucky attorney general, Daniel Cameron, he pressed no charges against Breonna Taylor's uh, murderers? 
That Wayne Brady looking motherfucker. It really, <laughs> it really didn't surprise me. I mean, if you if you look at that man and think that, uh, oh yeah, he's gonna do by black, he's gonna do right by black people, you are crazy. Like, look at this man. He get his hair cut at sports clips. Like, no, <laughs> no. Mitch McConnell too. That's what nobody you know what I mean? is like. <laughs> and he like, ain't he dating her, his daughter or something like that too? I don't know, but I read, know, I I read that somewhere. I don't know how true it is, but I was like, uh, yeah. If you thought we was gonna get the right outcome out of that, you crazy. I think I think that people really believe like okay if what what there's a saying like not all kin not all skin folk or kin folk or something like that yeah 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 and it's like there's this idea that like all right we are you know of the same race so we should stick out for each other but like this dude is conservative he worked for Mitch McConnell and he has his own other like just to him it's not about race it's about like yeah. just i guess sticking to conservative i don't know why he made the decisions he made but it didn't have nothing to do with him saying i'm gonna look out for for my my people i, I don't understand i understand how black people can be conservative i mean if you think that um we are included in this country and stuff like that but in reality you know we're not we're we are not we only make up 15 percent of the population yet people think Oh, they are doing all the harm in the world. We only make up 15%. White people make up 60. So what's the odds of the 15% doing more harm in the country than the 60%? That's that's crazy. It's always going to be more white people doing more crime on welfare and because they make up more of the population. Mm. So you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't understand that. I don't understand how black people can feel included in America because... Over the years, we've seen, like, we're not going to court getting the same justice. We can't go down there and, and vote without 10 forms of identification. But I've seen a white person just show one, you know what I mean, a driver license and just walk right in, you know? All the time. Yeah, man. Yeah. And that's what I was, I was telling you earlier. Like, I grew up in the suburbs of New York, uh, in, in Long Island. So I grew up mainly around in like a town that was predominantly white. Like in mm -hmm. my, there was maybe a couple of black kids in my grade and then a couple of Latinos like along with me, but it was predominantly white. And every weekend they was doing illegal shit. Like I was doing <laughs> illegal shit too. And it yeah. wasn't like, because I lived in a town that was so white, it was just like, we didn't get policed as much. It didn't mean that we weren't doing anything. Like we were still underage drinking, mm -hmm. underage smoking, like doing a whole bunch of shit that they could have got anybody else in a different neighborhood that gets policed more. And that was that's really the only difference. Well, you know, I didn't move to the suburbs until like, I think I stayed out in Theodore for about, Theodore, Alabama is like white, very white. Now it's kind of like white trashes. Mm. So gotta be, this is like in the early 2000s around Katrina. And uh, we was the only black kids that lived in the neighborhood. And I was like, this shit is weird, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it is weird. We came from the projects uh, to this all-white neighborhood in theater, and I was like, uh, yeah, I would much rather be in the projects because these motherfuckers is weird out here. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, you definitely didn't see the police out there. You know, you was able to walk home from school and nobody messed with you, you know, no fighting, no nothing like that. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was definitely a different world. Straight up. And then, so I want to pivot a little bit towards music because I know I've seen you, you like talking hip hop and I love talking hip hop all the time. <laughs> so now this is an argument that was always, I, I felt like brought up by Fox News and like all these conservative ass motherfuckers. And I would always, I would never pay attention. They would say hip hop glorifies violence and all this. And I would always think 
hip hop is art. It's just another art form. And it's mm-hmm. just, re- it's just painting a picture of what is already happening. The reality mm-hmm. that a lot of people live in, in, in the ghetto. It's just, that's it. I'm just using this as a microphone to express what it, look at what's going on, but it's mm-hmm. not creating what's going on. But now I feel like with all the black lives matter protests, all like mm-hmm. the, the things that we've seen after the George Floyd uh, murder, is hip hop like kind of out of step? Like, should we really be making lyrics like, yo, I'ma kill this N-word, I'ma kill this, like I'ma kill this. And like kind of like just that respect, because hip hop is huge about respect. Like I'm colder than you, I'm nicer than you. Mm-hmm. It's like, is that's been in it. So it's like, is it out of step to be like, you know? Well, I don't think we can ever get rid of that because, you know, that's where the artist is coming from. They coming from the trenches, you know what I mean? So like when I wrote this song, that's what that's what was in my heart. Let's say let's take uh, get rich or die trying, right? Many mm-hmm. man, do you think mm-hmm. uh, Fifty Cent could have wrote that song without him getting shot? However many times he got shot, exactly. he couldn't have. Mm-hmm. That was the truth that he was living. You know what I mean? Mm. So, but then you got people like Jay Z who've always been rapping about you know things that are black. I remember looking up Gina Six because Jay Z said. Um, when Gina Six doesn't exist, that's when I'll stop saying bitch. And Oprah was like, we need to stop having these bad words and all. But I was like, hold on now. He beefing with Oprah, but he said something about Gina Six. And it made me go look up Gina Six. So it's a lot of good and bad that come out of hip hop. But ultimately, I can only write about the things that I live. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. I can't write a song saying love thy neighbor if my neighbor never loved me i gotta go and shoot this motherfucker because he shot at me you know <laughs> so i give you i give you one example so you have you heard a uh, little baby song the uh the bigger picture yeah 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 that was like his, pro, his protest song that song was fire i thought that it was is. a fantastic song it i was upset to see him in a gq interview talking about uh what did he say he said the more i'm seeing what's up with all this shit the more i'm like let me back up off politics and then he said i don't want to be malcolm x i only i don't want to be martin luther king i stuck my nose in it for a little bit but i'm good on that and he said he's not making no more political songs and i was like bro you did a mad good job of making a political statement but also making it a banger where it was like yeah. listen to this even if i don't want to like hear the message like i put it on it's fire and then he said i don't want to do that anymore and i was like nah like and it's sad to me that we only have like a Kendrick and a Cole, maybe join a loop. We don't have too many of those conscious rappers who could still make bangers. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for people to listen to Kendrick and J. Cole. I got homeboys who don't know how good Good Kid Mad City was. Or, you know, everybody talking about, damn, I'm like, this man created Good Kid Mad City and took you through a day in his life, you know? And then you got Cole who talking about taxes on the record, but nobody don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. But you got artists like Lil Baby who can create songs like that and everybody will listen, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's got that, I'm from the streets, I'm still in the streets, you know? So people like him, if you only do it once or twice a year, you know, once a year, you need to keep your foot on their neck because he can reach the streets way better than Kendrick can or, you know, J. Cole. Not saying that they are to touch because they are in touch, but it takes a lot of listening. It's a lot of metaphors, a lot of double entendres and stuff like that, that you may not catch on, but Lil Baby can deliver a message directly to you. You know, 
He said it's bigger than black and white. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It caught everybody right there. Whoa, whoa, what are you about to talk about next? You know? Mm-hmm. And so he artists like him and even YG with fuck Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. The song was simple, but we all got the message. Hey, yeah. we ain't fucking with I Donald like Trump. White people, but I don't like you. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, exactly. The message was there. And people like them too, man, they need to stay right there because people are listening. Yeah, yeah. It made me real upset when I saw he said that. Like, I'm done. Like, I did this once and I'm done. And it was mm-hmm. like, yo, it was it just because of the moment? Like, did he just see what was going on and he just wanted to write about it? He felt inspired. But, like, to me, it's like you did a great job and he has that youth uh, fan base. He's got that mm-hmm. youth that doesn't necessarily listen to Cole. They actually troll Cole. They think that mm-hmm. Cole is old and out of touch and shit, so they troll him. Yeah. But, like, they'll listen to the little baby. And then I see artists like the baby he did the the black lives matter remix to his song um mm-hmm. brand new lamborghini not about nah yeah he was but talking about the police yeah and all he did was really add like eight bars at the beginning that had to do with it and then it was back to the original song where it yeah. was like i'm gonna kill you i'm gonna shoot you and it was like all right this is a moment they're kind of taking this as like a a branding thing i definitely think little baby uh he he perfected that moment you know and even yeah. even in his video emotionally scarred he was you know, if you look at the background, stay inside, you know, he was talking about coronavirus, telling, reaching the people. People like him have, you know, way more influence because they can reach that younger, you know, uh, population. And, and that's good. But he, he, he doesn't need to give up on them just yet because they watch him. Straight up. So what is it going to take for like more... I guess record labels to sign more artists that like do care about their communities and like do want to because it's like yeah Cole and Kendrick are the big ones but even Joyner Lucas I don't know if you listen to him mm-hmm. he put out an album that it was like talking about issues in the black community and like mm-hmm. Tory Lanez is going through his shit with the Megan <laughs> stuff. but he had, some, he had some songs on there that were like pro black lives and stuff so like mm-hmm. What is it going to take for record labels to sign more of these people that do care and like aren't just like talking about drugs and lean and all this other shit? Well, once again, we can go back to Cole and Kendrick. Uh, they got to be able to, you know, make a record that can reach people. Cole had one of his greatest songs was a feature on uh, Every Day A Star Is Born. Every day. Oh, you know bad. what I mean? He, he out-rapped Hove on that, on that song, yeah. you know? But nobody noticed that. You know what everybody noticed? Uh, that song with uh, Workout. Everybody noticed Workout. Right, me. Work- and that's probably his worst song. You know that what is, I'm saying? That, that shit let Nas down. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got Kendrick Lamar, which, you know, uh, his best song is probably uh, Let's Go. I love Good Kid, Man City. I, I am. Uh, the Art of Peer Pressure for me is like the art of, what is it? Peer Pressure? Yeah. Yeah, the Art of Peer Pressure. Man, that, that song, to me, that's his best song. Ooh. But to the people, uh, probably Don't Kill My Vibe or uh, a colleague. What's the other one? Um, Mad City, the one where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah that's yeah. a banger. Yeah. But those songs go unnoticed, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you got to be able to create singles and then kind of sprinkle it in. Kind of how Lil Baby did. Lil Baby, uh, My Turn, My Turn is a... Nothing but hits, straight mm. hits all through there. Mm. And then he gave us a gem with uh the bigger picture, the bigger picture, with the bigger picture song. So you got to be able to do something like that. You can't just make conscious records 
and expect to, you know, boom, it's almost impossible. Mm, yeah. Not even, not even Hove, the greatest, the GOAT, gave us, you know, straight conscious music. He no. gave us some, some bangers. Money ain't a thing. Uh, you know what I mean? Money ain't a thing. Big That's pimping. My, you know, big pimping. Mm-hmm. Smoking night, pouring up, keep that lean up in my, my cup. cup. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, straight up. And it, it it sucked because in that same interview Lil Baby was talking about, he goes on to talk about he was in prison and then the, the bodyguard, the jail guards or whatever beat him up in it. Like he has personal experiences with police brutality. Mm-hmm. And instead of using that to like uplift a message, he's like, I'm gonna go back to this, uh back to this turn up. But you know, when when you get that that kind of pressure put on you after that, you know, and everybody looking at you to say something, it's kind of hard to deliver after that, you know. After I gave that speech and everybody was kind of looking at me, I was like, oh, shit, where, where I do next, you know? Mm-hmm. And then next thing I know, people start inviting me on podcasts. I turned down five before I even went on the first one. But then, you know, somebody spoke to me. They said, look, if the people want to hear from you, give them, you know, give them exactly what they want. And... You know, I just been doing it, but the pressure, once you experience that pressure, it's kind of hard. It's like, man, I could just go over here and make millions and be little baby and be cool. Or I can go over here, be, be little baby, the activist, the, the gentleman, or, you know what I mean? People Take expect you to be a certain way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. After that. And that pressure is, it's crazy. It's big. And it's way easier to just be the turn up little baby. It's yeah. Way, it's way like, like just I'm just wear diamonds and, and drive Bentleys and things like that, you know, party. Yeah. Just keep partying, have fun, but it's way harder and, and more risky towards your money. That's the problem mm-hmm. is like, all right, now you get into a place where like you might piss somebody off and they want to give you no more sponsorships. <laughs> but can yeah, you elaborate okay. on that speech? I would love to hear like, what, what was that speech you said you gave? Um, Let's see. Uh, I got it written down. I, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but hold on, I'm gonna grab it. Of course. Oh, man, oh. So uh, the speech, um, to me, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement is being uh, characterized as like this terrorist movement. And I, I don't understand why, because People are like, it's violence in the street, it's violence. America has always been violent, right? It's just the color of the people who committing the violence is like uncomfortable, you know? But like, I keep on reiterating, how is 15% of the population gonna dominate 60? I don't care if the whole 15% all go get a gun, it's still 60% of y'all, you know? And it's 330 million people in America. How can we overrun y'all, you know? Mm-hmm. We just want equality. This is not a chair. This is not a rioting. This is nothing, you know. So I wrote this speech and uh, I named it The Awakening, The Awakening, because for me, it was like my moment of truth. And I wrote this in like 10 minutes and uh, I started out like this. Uh, our liberation should not be opposed. Our ancestors gave America 244 years of free labor, all while promised 40 acres and a mule and that promise was unfulfilled. They were beaten, raped, and lynched for two and a half centuries. They single-handedly built a thriving nation and never got to see the fruits of their labor. The American promise, the American dream, is that if you work hard, you can be anything you aspire. Was that not hard work? Our liberation has been a fight, a fight that has gone too long, from killing our masters in Southampton County, Virginia, 1831, to storming the Capitol with a dream. 
Our liberation is not a terrorist attack. It is a revolution. It's accountability and it's Dr. King's dream. I have a dream. I dream of so many black boys and girls running in and out the White House, they think Big Mama having a cookout. Why is our liberation characterized as a terrorist movement? Am I a terrorist because I want what I'm owed? Am I a terrorist because my skin doesn't look like yours? Am I a terrorist because I make you feel uncomfortable? Make no mistake, our people didn't come here on the Mayflower. They came on slave ships. We didn't ask to be brought here, you brought us here. You killed us while we were praying, while walking home from the store, while getting in the car with our kids, and while screaming, I can't breathe. It sounds like we are being terrorized, not the terrorists. This is our year of the ballot or the bullet. Malcolm X said, anytime you find yourself singing, we shall overcome in the 20th century, your government has failed you. Our voices should be heard and will be heard by running to the polls in unforeseen numbers. We have to stand for justice, stand for equality, and most of all, stand together, stand together because black lives matter. Hey, beautiful, man. That was poetry, thank brother. That was thank poetry. You, thank you, thank you. And what inspired you? It was just like the, the moment? Yeah, and I, I kept seeing like, well, the rioters, the, lured, the looters, this is a terrorist movement, Black Lives Matter or terrorists. And I'm like, no, no. What we, we are tired of telling y'all over and over and over and over again, like, stop killing us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. yeah. And like, to matter is the most minimal thing. I forget there's mm -hmm. a comedian who made the joke and it was like, Black Lives Matter. That's that's it. Like th that's the minimal <laughs> to matter. Is like, that's, that's asking for not even to like like anything special, just to matter. Like, and I don't understand, but it's true. Like I I see that criticism all the time. People saying like it's a Marxist organization, and I think somebody I gotta look more into it, but somebody must have went on to in some interview and said something about Marxism because they hung on to that shit forever. They're like Black Lives Matter, <laughs> Marxist. And it's like, what, 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 there had to be more to this. I don't know what happened. Like, even like, like just, just there are people that still say like all lives matter to this day and they do not understand like why. They don't understand it. They don't understand it. Uh, I seen a good meme where it's like three houses burning and one is over there like all houses matter. How, your house ain't on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. It's like, you, you just want to like, and it's for everything. I remember I, I saw there was a group that was going to order. They were going to organize a, a straight pride parade or some shit. Uh -huh. Literally just because they wanted to to march or they wanted to, to have a parade. They were going to do straight pride, like the way that they have gay pride. And it's like, yeah. what is the point of this? Like, do you just feel excluded? Like, just go to the gay pride parade or something. Like, yeah. And say, hey, I'm, I'm supporting you. I'm straight. You know I'm what I mean? Straight, but I'm here. Yeah, I'm here to have fun. And what they don't understand is gay people were suppressed and oppressed for so long. You know, it was... You couldn't come out and be gay. You like risked death at one time if you, you know what I mean? Straight up. If you were found out to be gay. So y'all deserve a day. Y'all y'all came this far and fought that fight for so long. God damn it, get out there in the streets and march and wave that rainbow flag. Like, you know, it ain't no tomorrow. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, facts. <laughs> yeah, even to this day, like there's homophobia still. So like <laughs> that was only five years ago they legalized 
uh, same-sex marriage. It's not yeah. that long ago. So I never understand when people are like, well, we're going to have a parade too and we're going to show that we're straight. I'm like, what are you guys going to do? Like, just <laughs> what the fuck are you guys going to do? <laughs> just <laughs> like, we're straight. We're straight. <laughs> Nobody cares. Go home. Nobody cares. That's normal, guy. Get out of here. That's normal. <laughs> I, I do have to ask, like, you seem very, very progressive. What, what uh-huh. keeps you living in the South? Man, this is where my family is from. And the South is like full of beautiful tradition. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But the one tradition they just can't get away from is racism. You know, the food here is second to none. Mm -hmm. Uh, The hospitality here, second to none. Like it's real, you meet real genuine people. And I do meet Trump supporters all the time. And they are real, nice, genuine people. You know what I mean? But they just love that man for some reason. I don't know why. Just love him, right? But uh, <laughs> so, is, is there a big problem still with the Confederate flag by where you live? Uh, by where I live, uh, I live in Mobile. Like it's the deep south. Like mm. it's the Gulf of Mexico after this. It is no law, you know. <laughs> I mean, Florida down there, but I don't know where the Florida is. The South or like the Wild Wild West. They got some wild shit going on yeah, there. Yeah, there's some shit. <laughs> so. Is it a problem? Yes. Like they wave it. They definitely wave it. But I I really don't know what they mean. Like the flag itself stands for racism, I guess, you know, because it's like people. Yeah. Yeah. They treasonous. So it kind of as a veteran for me to see them fly that flag is like we we are fighting a battle for nothing. You know what I mean? We're fighting for the United States of America, but y'all still want to fly the Confederate flag that wants that wanted to be separated from the rest of the United States. So do y'all want to be the United States or do y'all want to be the Confederate? It's confusing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's so many other good things that could represent Southern heritage. Like, yeah. why is that always the one that they cling on to? Like, we're representing our heritage. It's like, what about all the other stuff? Like, there's plenty of great things that have happened in the South. Like you said, plenty of great food mm-hmm. and, and a lot of history. But it doesn't have to, like, involve that piece of history. I think if the South got away from the racism, the Confederate flags, holding on to that heritage, uh this would be a great place, man. A lot of people don't even know we have beaches in Mobile, Alabama. I literally just went fishing till three o'clock this morning, you know, yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it could be a lot of stuff going on here. We we have music festivals and, you know, we had Post Malone come. We had uh, Cardi B come. Mm-hmm. We had Travis Scott here. Hey. Like nobody knows that. Nobody knows. But that keeps the cost of living down, right? Because nobody it, really knows. It it does, but uh, at the same time, it ain't no development happening here either. That's the problem. That's the problem mm-hmm. where things don't mm-hmm. move forward. I've been uh, I never been to Alabama, but I've been to Tampa. So I, I went swimming in the Gulf of Mexico, and that is some of the most beautiful, warm water, like greatest beach. Oof! Nobody knows. Like, Nobody this knows. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But people just think we down here in a hick. You know, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and how are things with coronavirus restrictions down there? Is things tight? Are people man? They are uh, in Alabama. We have the mask mandate and things like that. But uh, as you know, the president said, "Ain't gonna need for masks." So yeah. people just kind of you see people all the time walking around with no masks, and they oh, don't care. No. 
And what, about, what about businesses and stuff? Is everything like, can you indoor dine? Can you? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. It's all out here. They, I mean, they have capacity. They might have like a table here where you can sit at and the next table will be empty. They've done that. But uh, yeah, you can indoor dine. Uh, here we closed the bars at uh, 10, I believe. I want to say 10. That's so they did before. Uh, it was all regular, regular until she did that. Governor Ivy did that. Mm. But it was once we opened back up, it was like full blown, like everybody out eating, everybody mm. at the bar, everybody at the club partying. It was regular. Mm, mm, that's great. All right, I got two final questions for you. Well, they're kind of the same question, but all right. So we are one week away from the election. I love uh-huh. what you said about you know problems that affect the the black community problems that affect uh people of color that shouldn't be political we should always be like you know keep your knee on their neck so mm-hmm. if joe biden wins what is the next step forwards you think and then if trump wins what are the next step forwards i think no matter which candidate wins we have to hold them accountable right trump has a platinum plan and he said if i win this is what will happen we need to make sure that happens. Mm-hmm. If Joe Biden wins, he said, I, I have a plan and this is what will happen. The same kind of pressure we will hold on Trump, we need to hold it on Joe Biden. And I think Joe Biden is going to win. I believe he will win. Mm. But Fingers crossed. Yeah, just because he wins, that doesn't mean stop what we're doing. We have, we have so much momentum right now. We can run a fucking train through the White House if we wanted to. We have to keep that momentum going. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm. Beautifully said. Uh, Tristan Jackson, tell tell the listeners where they can find out more about you if they want to connect with you. Um, you can add me on Facebook, my regular Facebook, Tristan Jackson, T-R-I-S-C-O-N, last name Jackson. Michael's my cousin. Uh, my Instagram is the Oracle. T H E underscore zero R A C L three. Uh, and yeah, that was my two. Uh, one last thing before I get out of here, I got a book coming out, man. It's a children's book. Uh, it's a story that I've been working on for a little while. And, and it's one of those fight the power, but for kids. So, um, yeah, I hope I get to see you again after that comes out. Hey, that's amazing that you're doing that <laughs> because yeah, you gotta, from the beginning, like when kids are impressionable, it's good to show, listen, like use your voice, use mm-hmm. the right to protest. That is one of the best rights that Americans have is the right yeah. that we can go out into the street and protest. And they can't just like, I mean, they try sometimes, they try and send out those cops with the rubber bullets, but we mm-hmm. out there. So that's <laughs> thing. And that's great that from a young age, you're trying to give them that revolutionary spirit. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And when it comes out, you are definitely invited back on this show to talk about it. Oh man, thank you. Hey, thank you so much, Tristan Jackson. This is an amazing conversation and we will talk soon, man. All right. Thank you to everyone who supports the show and has shared the show with a friend or a loved one. And a huge special thank you to our guest, Tristan Jackson, for coming on the show. If you haven't already, make sure to check out the show notes to connect with Tristan and follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at A Pretty Normal. Make sure to message me if you'd like to come on the show or if there's any topic at all that you want me to cover. My name is Xavier Diaz, and this was A Pretty Normal Podcast.